this is Season 5 of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's podcast, where we cover the roping industry from top to bottom. This is where the team roping world talks. We talk through tough subjects, we talk big wins, and we talk real issues affecting the community. I'm your host and editor of the Team Roping Journal, Chelsea Schaefer. Today's episode is brought to you by Farnham and their Block, Repel, Reduce Fly Care Program. I'm going to tell you more about it at the commercial break. I have a treat today for everyone. This episode is with the one and only Derek Begay, fresh off a win at the San Angelo Stock Show and Rodeo with Culture Todd. Derek is always a favorite guest on this podcast, but sometimes he's a bit too far out of cell phone reception to reach. Luckily for all of us, he was in between California rodeos when I called him last week, so he had some time to talk. There's not much I can say to introduce Derek because we've written so many words over the years trying to capture his allure and persona, and I'm afraid that we've always failed. Derek is true blue, as real as it gets. There is no pretense, and there's no nonsense either. I have been so lucky. He's been an ally to me in my career for all these years, and rodeo as a whole is better for his presence. So without further ado, here's Derek Begay. been i don't know when was the last time you were on the score last year oh yeah we sat in reno we sat in reno and talked outside 22 years ago 22 it feels like it (laughs) it feels like it what year did you buy your card how long ago what how long have you been at this I don't know exactly when I bought my card. It's been a while ago. I, I bought it and I was healing, just circuit rodeoing. Uh-huh. And then uh, when I actually come to like heading and entering every weekend, mm-hmm. it was in 07 after the Hork Dog and my first rodeo was Diamond. So Diamond's coming up next week. So since 2007, Diamond is when I feel like I really started mm-hmm. but it, I bought my car before that were they muleys in 2007 at Gaiman uh yes yes do you like to get the next would do you like rope muleys uh yes I would like if we just did it every day mm-hmm. day and day out for a living probably not but to Gaiman and Clovis I had last week and places like that it's it's fun every now and then mm-hmm. now you you just got back from the California run. Was how many have you always gone to California, or have there been years that you missed it? Feels like I always go. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I missed it a few years, but it seems like I always don't want to go, but end up going. Mm-hmm. They're good rodeos. They're just you're only there for two weeks, and it feels like you're there for a month. But they're good to go to. I like them. Well, and you darted you darted back to Texas to go to San Angelo. Right. How many flights did you have to take back and forth? Just one? Uh, well, we were in San Angelo towards the beginning of the rodeo. We had to charter there and send horses, and then uh, we ended up making short rounds, and we had to fly back over there and back and forth. It was it was expensive, but it worked <laughs> out. I'm glad it did. Oh, you have to go back. Okay, we're, we're going to hit our stride on this podcast. So you have to go back and tell me about going from the BFI to San Angelo. What what happened? How did you guys get up that way? And what did you have to do? Um, San Angelo, there's one set that, that that goes over right over the BFI the same day of the BFI, and we ended up getting up that day. We didn't enter for that, but that's what we got. There was three other teams that did the same thing. There was Clay Smith and Jade Corkill. And then there was Britton Hall and Chase Tryon. So all three of us got together and we decided to pitch in and charter a jet. So that was our plan. So that's what we did that day. And I didn't do no good at BFI. So as uh, Clay and Jay didn't do no good. But Britton and Chase, they ended up doing good. So they were actually fifth high call. But as soon as we run our fifth steer, we rushed out of there and we, Rush to the airport and we 
flew down to San Angelo that same day. We got there just in time, just in time to rope. So it was it was a long day that day. <laughs> but I think your okay. So your nephew James, he was what call back? He was in the top ten at the BFI as far as into the short going into the short round. Do you remember what call he was? Uh, no, we the fifth round started and then uh, Clay Smith and Jade wrote before we did, so they're waiting for us outside the car. And then uh, as soon as me and Colts were in our fifth gear, we just <clears throat> rode right out of the building and they're waiting on us. So we jumped in the car and we rushed to the airport. And I never really could keep track. We kind of kept track a little bit before the plane took off. And then uh, the flight was an hour and ten minutes. So. At that time, I didn't know what my nephew, JP, I didn't know what high call he was. Because mm-hmm. the roping was still going on when we left. So it was, the whole time I was thinking, like, well, I didn't know he made the short round. I know he caught five. He was doing good. So I think when we left, I think he was maybe fourth high call, maybe, by the time we left. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So anyway, we were up in the air the whole time. We were just thinking, well, I wonder what high call he is, when the short round is going to start stuff like that I wanted to watch him so anyway so we landed in San Angelo and as soon as we landed as soon as the wheels stopped on that plane we opened the door and we jumped out we had a truck waiting there for us and we jumped in the truck so by the time we got in the truck I turned my phone on and they were on Britton Hall and Chase Tryon I believe they were like fifth high call or sixth high call Mm -hmm. and we watched them rope and we were cheering for them because they were supposed to be with us, but they ended up doing better over there. But so anyway, I guess JP wrote right before I turned my phone on. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I guess he did good, and he was winning the roping. But I was just watching it, watching it. He went from fifth high call, fourth high call, third high call, second, first, and it seemed like the short round kind of didn't go. As planned for a lot of those guys, it kind of fell apart. Anyway, so I didn't know how JP did. I was like, well, we'll see how he did whenever they say the results. Anyway, they run the last team. I'm like, okay, these guys are our champions. And second goes to James Arvisa with his partner. That's when I was like, wow. I, I didn't know that the whole time. So maybe I was kind of glad I had to watch because I would have been really nervous. <laughs> People think you're like so stoic, but you 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 just don't really show it. You're a nervous guy in general. Yeah, I'm nervous. I get stressed and get excited. So I I get I do all the above. Yeah, people. I, it's funny when people talk about you and they'll like make people who don't know you will make comments about how you're just so serious or so I don't know. They they definitely don't know you because you get nervous. Yeah, I get nervous and. I do get mad too. I mean, I just sometimes I just want to just yell or maybe even cuss or hit something, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Or even if I win some, I feel like throwing my hat or jumping off my horse, but I just never do it. <laughs> I feel like you always do make the same face though. Like you smile and look over at your partner when you do win something. Yeah, like, wow, did we just do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> No, I was happy for my nephew. That was the highlight of that day and the highlight of the year so far, getting in to see him butt heads with the big dogs. and So it was fun. It was good for him. Heck, yeah. I mean, he was the kid. For everybody who doesn't, who might not know who James is, like, he first came to fame when you started making the finals and he was like the little kid dancing in the stands, correct? They used to show him on TV, didn't they? Yeah, that's him. He, he used to be a dancer, but you won't, you won't get him to dance no more. <laughs> that's funny, no? And he's... And you've told me before, you don't really like... There's not a lot of coaching that goes on in your family. Is that the case? Um, well, for me, I don't, I don't really say much to him. My dad's the one that works on more than anybody or me. I don't mm-hmm. I know he I know he likes doing it enough and he's gonna figure it out. It seems like when when somebody really likes doing something, whether it's roping or whatever, I mean you just got 
say something every now and then that you really just see black and white, but if somebody likes something enough, they'll, they'll keep doing it and they'll figure it out. So that's why I don't really say much to him. Because yeah. he's, he's going to do it enough, I think, that he's, he'll figure, whatever, figure it out, whatever he's doing wrong or right. And his horse, so, okay, there's just, I, I think it's so interesting because there's so many little connections here. So you were roping with Coulter at the BFI, and you won San Angelo with Coulter. How did you get Coulter out of Wilcox, Arizona? Um, well, first of all, he's my best friend, so I talk to him a lot about stuff that doesn't involve roping. And then uh, just being around the house, being around the house here, I needed someone to heal from these circularities and the jackpots. I just got to bugging him like, "Hey, you want to heal?" And and he's headed professionally for when he used to rodeo. So I think it's maybe the healing part that kind of makes him want to go. I'm thinking <laughs> because everybody loves to heal, so I think he likes to heal a little bit. And he's my circuit partner right here around Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I needed a partner for the BFI, so I was like, hey, you want to come up to Death Street? And it's like, yeah, I'll go up there. His boys are open, too. His boys are getting old enough now where they want to go to jackpots and stuff, so he's leaving the house a lot more than he used to. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. Anyway, uh, St. Angelo's going on the same time. I mean, we're planning on entering the same day as it, but... It was going on at the same time, so I was like, hey, I need a partner in San Angelo. You want to just go there? I kind of really didn't ask him. I just kind of told him, like, hey, I need a partner there. I want to hear us. He's like, okay. So that was one of those rodeos that was kind of the way over to the way by. So I got him to go to that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Coulter is my best friend. He had this little buckskin horse that he had. He kind of started and got going and started to head on and take to the amateur rodeos and ranch horse and pick up Bronx and stuff and pretty good little mare that he had it on. I liked her and stuff. I just never really asked if she wanted her, wanted to sell her. So my nephew, he asked him one day to ask her and they got together. Anyway, he get this, ended up getting this little buckskin from him. So he got her last winter in December and ended up riding her to finals and I got to ride her a little bit this winter and so he's kind of helping JP kind of figure out this horse, how to ride her, what to do, this and that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, in the PFI, JP's riding this horse that comes from Coulter, and Coulter's my partner. <laughs> so we were his number one fans. I mean, I was cheering for him. I was kind of more there for him, felt like. And then obviously when you get a horse from somebody, you kind of get that connection still, so it was fun being getting through it with Coulter and watching my nephew rope and my sister and my brother-in-law and Coulter's wife and their family was all there, so it was it was fun. Well, even though we didn't do it in BFI, it felt like we did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I asked Jamie after the BFI, I said, so does that mean you guys are going rodeoing this year? And she said, heck no, not yet. Is that they're keeping James back a little bit? I don't know. I, <laughs> they are. They're going to have a hard time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that. He's going to interrupt sometime. That's fun. That'll be fun. And so that means the buckskin is going to stay in James' trailer and not, uh, are we going to steer Cheyenne or anything for you? If it works out, yeah, I'm going to ride it. I'm going to ride her every chance I get, but <laughs> I, I hate borrowing a horse. Yeah. Yeah. But, but no. you won San Angelo on Swagger, so I know you hate talking about horses, but Swagger, I mean, if anybody else owned that horse, there would have been, like, many documentaries on him already because of how old he is, how much he's won, and other people would have been touting him. You are really not that type. Tell me, though, about why you rode Swagger at San Angelo and what he felt like. He was the only thing I had. <laughs> I, have, I have him and I have another little bay mare. I, I sent her to the BFI and I sent Swagger to San Angelo because that's all I got. And I figured it, 
if it was a place I could ride in the winter, it'd be there. Mm-hmm. The barrier's pretty friendly. The steers were on the slower side, come left a little bit. So like, well, that's sounds like something you'll be good at. So I sent him over there, and he, he did good. So did he feel? You've been riding him since two thousand and nine, right? Is that sound I right? Bought, I bought him in oh seven. Oh seven. So I know I bought him in 07. You bought him in 07. Do you, does he, how has he changed? Does he feel slower? Does he feel like he goes left harder? What does he feel like? <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> That's been a long time ago. <laughs> I I think he still feels the same, I think. Uh-huh. Maybe he lost a step or three or four. I don't know. Still feels the same to me. It's funny, I cheated, and I read Julie's story that she did, so we've got a story on all the longest-lasting head horses, and that'll be in the, gosh, I think the July issue at this point, so that's a while from now. People are going to be listening to this podcast at the end of April, so everybody can look forward to an article on all the longest-lasting head horses come July, but in there, you told her that... um, there wasn't a secret for Swagger that it was just you treated him like a horse. And that you've always said that about Swagger. He's never had magnet blankets or anything like that, has he? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not much no. of anything, huh? Hopefully yeah. Enough, he didn't need much. And he hasn't had any rehab since he got hurt right before the finals, literally on the last steer in the run through which we certainly wrote about, and people probably knew he didn't ride him at the finals. Um, but it's not like he's been at the Aqua Tread place getting laser light therapy in between his swimming routines. No, he, he got crippled that one day, the very last year at the end of our running steer street. And it was probably my fault. I'd steer out a little too far and end up going down the ring a little too far. And as soon as I face, I could feel him. He was like, dang it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well... Walk him out of it. Let's see. Walk it out. Nope. Never walked out of it. <laughs> but anyway, I, I really didn't know what happened to him. I knew he was I knew he wasn't gonna be good enough to ride the rest of the week just by looking at him. Just my knowledge like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to send him home and try to find something else to ride and I never really I never got him checked on or never found out what was wrong. I just let him be. Well, my plan was to ride him there and then kinda of quit riding him. Kind of be done riding him. Mm-hmm. So when he got crippled, I was like, Homer, I guess this is where the road ends, man. Kind of didn't want to end this way, but that's how it ended up. I was like, well, so I was kind of wanted to quit riding him after that. But I never really thought I was wrong with him, but then this had him around the house and he kind of got better and got better. Pretty soon he was good enough to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to start riding again a little bit. It seems like when you quit riding those little horses, they go downhill pretty fast. So I'll take them to the rodeos right around the house and check, practice on it and stuff like that. I was going to say, is there anywhere where you're like looking forward to riding him that that's a setup that'll just be that he's always done well? Mm, no. No. <laughs> He's the one you won Cheyenne on, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was. I can't remember what year that was. Hmm. I don't either. Two thousand and eleven, maybe. It was. It was sometime between two thousand nine and I rode with Caesar for five years, and I, I went up winning Cheyenne with Caesar. So it was between two thousand nine and five years from then. Hmm. Did, and you split it. Did you guys split it with somebody? Or did you win it outright? I don't remember. Maybe we, maybe we did split with Britt Williams. I don't know. I, I can't remember. You and I should have notes before we get on a call. So if I ask questions that we, neither of us know the answer to, we can refer back to it. But. <laughs> yeah. Huh? What The team roping journal. Huh? Is there any other company as big as you guys when it comes to roping and rodeo? And... Hmm. Well. I don't know. Probably not. It's I mean, not really, huh? No, because Crazy. I mean, the Cowboy Channel is awesome. They are big, and but they don't have. They're not just so specific like we are. How many followers does you have on 
So uh, Facebook. Mm, probably about 150,000. Probably not as many as you. How many? Oh, Instagram, almost 100,000. Like, we should be over 100,000 this week or next week. I was just looking at that. How many do you have? Well, well, no, this is about you guys. I was asking about you guys. (laughs) There's a lot of information you guys put out there. Like, I see it all the time on my phone. All the news, the stories, and this and that. Probably don't get as many likes as you guys wish, but, I mean, I think everybody looks at it. I do. Yeah, it is funny. And, I mean, I track people that go to the website. I look at that more than, like, the social engagement. I mean, I look at the social engagement, but there's a lot of people that maybe don't click on the post or, like, don't like the post or comment on the post, but they probably go and check out whatever the story is, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of that. But I try to like it every now and then. You guys must make a lot of money. I wish, right? I'm so rich. No. Well, it just seems like you guys put out all this information and news for free and it got to pay something. Yeah, it's good business. I mean, we have, like, I mean, we have a lot of great partners who, like, people that believe in, like, covering futurity horses. So they will support our coverage of all the rope horse futurity business or people who believe in what you guys do and so they want to sponsor our coverage of what you guys do it's certainly keeps us busy because we have i mean just so many different campaigns going at one time and a team of people now that works on it all which is good well well, i think you guys are doing good i mean i read the stuff and even listen to the podcast i'm a fan of rodeo and roping so when i do drive down the road or sitting in parking lot board or something, I'll click on it or I'll turn the volume up or listen to what secrets the other guys are telling us about if you kind of can learn a lot just yeah looking at this page and listening to stuff <laughs> you can learn the team roper drama some of the barrel racers say you guys have worse drama than them as far as and they say in barrel racing nobody writes about the drama whereas we write about what partners are I mean, I could never write the real stories, but some something kind of close, at least. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, the drama part, I don't know. I'm a Bear Weston fan, too. I like Bear Weston. I mean, yeah? Breakaway. Mm-hmm. I like Breakaway. Who doesn't? Well, actually, there's guys that don't like Breakaway, unfortunately. Yeah, there's guys that grumble about it, for sure. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, even, even my friends sometimes. Yeah. It's, uh... You'd be amazed, like, even... Rodeo committees or even stock contractors or just like I don't know why they're like that, but oh well. Yeah, no, it and the breakaway journal has been really fun. That's like our side gig that we do in our free time, and it's it's a lot of fun to write about all those girls because they're they're appreciative, they're engaged. Like you don't have to try very hard to get a hold of a breakaway roper. Like that they are ready to talk about their event, so it's not like people who get sick of me calling them asking them about what horse they rode over the weekend or yeah, whatever. Kind of, I, I can I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about uh, what are they going to have breakaway at the NFR? What are they going to I hope this year. I'm kind of sick of talking about it at this point. I mean, I feel like it's time. It that's how I I'm glad you asked me my opinion on that. <laughs> I feel like it's it's time and You need me to call someone? Yes, make a phone call. <laughs> I think they need money. I think that's the big thing. So money? Yeah, money. I think they, they gotta come that's up with the worst excuse they could have. I agree. I, I personally agree. I mean one point one million dollars is what they need to come up with to add it for equal money at the NFR. And uh I think I think somebody can come up with one point one million. Yeah, that's not much. And they said stalls. One of the things I did that panel with Jimmy Monroe and Jackie Crawford and Sherry Servey at the at the NFR during Cowboy Christmas last year, and we sat there and we talked about all the issues kind of facing women in rodeo, and that was one of, they said there's not enough stalls at the Thomas and Mac or not enough room for stalls at the Thomas and Mac plus room for breakaway calves. Those were some of the some of the logistical concerns, which in my opinion I think surely we could figure that out. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's, that sounds some, like something we can solve. <laughs> even I can figure that one out. <laughs> I know, I know. That's 
so that's why when you say like that's why I'm like I'm almost done talking about it because I feel like all of the real opposition to it isn't like it's not worth talking about. We can just figure that stuff out. It's it's time. No, to I I think the money part shouldn't be excused to stalls or 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 just room wise. It shouldn't be a problem. I I think those are just excuses. But I think the main reason is the people that are in charge just flat out just don't like Breakaway. That's mm-hmm. that's the main thing I think. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. I don't think you're a hundred percent wrong there. I think there's a. There is just there is a resistance for the sake of it in some parts of it. So I would certainly, I am ready for the breakaway to be added. It would be fun, like it would be really explosive in the Thomas and Mac. It would be exciting for the fans, and I think everybody would watch it. You guys, they'd come to the you'd come to the fence, or I guess you can't really come to the fence in the Thomas and Mac, but you'd come over to watch it somehow. Sit down in the press room next to me to watch it at least. Well, hopefully this will be old news by the time it's, it's, by by the time December comes around. I know. I keep thinking that, but then it's like by it's like September by the time we really have a an answer. So hopefully that's hopefully we yeah December we're all watching um, Breakaway and the Thomas and Mac. Speaking of December, who are you? Do you have any rodeo plans for the summer yet? I mean, we said there's a chance you'll put Keita in the trailer to go to Cheyenne or some of those bigger things. Do we know who will be in the box to the right of you? No, I don't know. I don't have a horse good enough to go, or I don't have a horse good enough to call someone and ask if they want a rodeo, but I'm going to play around a little bit. I'll go to some here and there. I think you've told me that I don't have a horse good enough excuse for how many years now? Oh, well, yeah, but now this one's, I'm serious now. Before it just felt that way, now I know it is that way. (laughs) So I I don't know that. Yeah? How To be announced. To be announced. Well, wait, I hope I'm your first phone call to tell so that we can write that partner drama story whenever it happens. Yeah, I like rodeoing. I like going. I I hate leaving the house and I hate driving on the road, but I like entering and being there. Mm-hmm. Bugs bite, literally. And repeat after me, there is no single solution that will completely banish every pest. It's just not that easy. Fortunately, our friends at Farnham have discovered an effective way to fight flies on all fronts. You need to build an effective no-fly zone. What this means is using different products for different scenarios. With Farnham's three-stage approach of block, repel, reduce, you can protect your horse, your stable, and yourself from these annoying, filthy, and often disease-carrying insects and bugs. To learn more and start your own no-fly zone, go to Farnham.com. That's Farnham, F-A-R-N-A-M.com. And download a free copy of the Horse Owner's Guide to Creating Your Own No-Fly Zone. Again, that's F-A-R-N-A-M dot com. Farnham, our partner in flight control. Oh, you know what? I asked you a question the other day that I don't want to not ask on this podcast. Um, it was about, we're talking about horses now. And I, and this was just when we were visiting. You, I had said, do you think you could have won what you won when you started out? on the paint horse if you if it were the year 2022 do you think you and your paint would still be able to kind of crack out and make a name for yourself in this day and age with these kids and these horses um that we'll never know but like i feel like i know too much right now Mm -hmm. and i think that part's going to get in the way i don't think we'll do as good as we did when we first come out, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know much. I didn't know what the rudders were like, the setups, the situations, or really how to win. I was mm-hmm. just there to go as fast as I can, and the paint was all I had. Mm-hmm. So if you threw me back in that same scenario and I was to enter out here, and I would think I would win something here and there. 
when I had that pain, it was never really consistent. Mm-hmm. And the first round somewhere, and I'd come back and not do it in the second one, or vice versa, mess up with the first one. Just round money here and there, we'll place an average every now and then, but we did good enough just to get by. Mm-hmm. So that we'll never know, but mm-hmm. but if I'm hard headed enough to just think I could do it, I want to say yeah, I probably could. If you're at a Indian rodeo and there's a 18 year old kid riding up on a horse just like your paint, and he comes and asks you for your advice about like is he ready and he ropes good, what would you tell him like? go for it or would you say man you need to rodeo around home and get some more horses together what what kind of advice would you give a kid in that same spot that you were that's tricky that's that's tricky because i was once him at one time mm-hmm. and you have to go you have to enter you have to go even though you get your butt kicked you still have to because you have to figure it out and nowadays it seems like it's I don't know if it was as expensive as it was when I was going, but it sure is expensive now. But So I have to be the guy and say, yeah, you might have to, you're just going to figure it out. and you're, You just have to learn how to win. Yeah. You'll learn how to ride your horse. You'll learn how to win. You're going to learn how to do this and that. But no, I would never discourage him. Never, no one really did ever to mm-hmm. me. So seems like as far as backs I remember, no one ever told me I was... Actually, there's one guy one time one told me. He said, you know what? You'll never make the NFR. Your horse is not good enough, and your partner is not good enough. I was open with Big Taros at the time. Mm-hmm. This guy is... He's, a, he's been around. I think he's made the NFR back in the past. His son made the NFR. I didn't say his name. And uh, he told me one day, he's like, yeah, just fly up. told me. It's like, you know what? He might be wrong. It, I mean, I I respect what he said. I guess mm-hmm. yeah, made me mad and made me try harder and stuff like that. But I could see what he saw. But I guess if you say that to the right guy, you can use it as motivation. But if you say it to the wrong guy, you can also discourage him. Mm-hmm. So I still remember that to this day and. Kind of want to say something to that guy. I've seen him after I made the final and stuff like that, but <laughs> I want to bring it up and stuff like, hey, remember that one time you told me I was never going to make the NFR? You said my horse wasn't good enough and my partner wasn't good enough. <laughs> I want to tell him that one time. I, I still to this day, every time I see him, I just smile and shake his hand. I'm like, well, maybe it's a good thing you told me that. <laughs> yeah, say thank you. Yeah, but no, it's I'll, I'll help them and if they ask and this and that. Mm-hmm. But what I don't like to see is someone that gives up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it doesn't work, change something. Maybe get a different horse. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not roping right, you got to change something you're roping. Did you go to school? You went to college for a little bit, didn't you? Yes, I went three and a half years of college. I don't know why. I graduated high school and... It's like, well, now what? And everybody always said, well, if you're going to rodeo, you better go to school first. That way you'll always, always have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Rodeo's never always going to be there. What about life after rodeo? This and that. Like, And then at the time, everybody was saying, it felt like that's the thing to do. I feel mm-hmm. like you go through all of school and get to high school, and then you have to go to college and get a degree and I felt like that was the perfect life. That's what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't do that, it was a fail. That's what it felt like at that time. So I was like, well, I've already put rope in the side for a while and ready to go to college. Didn't even know why I was going, but I enrolled, went to three and a half years of college, and I was like, finally, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do something different now. And what were you making? Day, to this day, I don't know why I went. I, <laughs> I'm a I'm a fan of college. Uh-huh. If you know that you need it and you know what you want to do, uh-huh. but if you don't, I'm not a fan of it. Also, did you have a bunch of different majors, or did you stick with one because it didn't actually matter? 
I just, well, I got associates in industrial art, so just like welding. And welding, yeah. Just construction and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I might use it someday, but. I mean, I, I think you do use it. it. You're welding every time I see you doing anything other than rodeo. That's what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing it for myself. I'm not, <laughs> I never, I never had a job in my life. So, I don't know why I went to college, and I guess people are listening. If you know what you're going to do in life, and it involves college, and you have to go to college, then do it. But if you don't, take a second to think about it a little bit, because I don't know. I think you can, I think it's real important to know what you want to do, and just keep trying to do whatever you got to do to get to that point like I guess if you want to be a doctor yeah there's no way other around you have to go to college yeah but I think if you want to do a trade or it's just kind of who you know and if you're a good worker someone's going to hire you no matter what you have a college degree or not if you can show up to work every day work hard and you're non-replaceable and they like you it doesn't matter if you go to college or not even even in, even in some of the big office jobs I think it's mm -hmm. that way it's that way in what I do I mean there's certainly a lot you can learn in college and but if you're if you don't there's I've also had people that have four-year degrees master's degrees that you know that can't do the work that that didn't use that time wisely so yeah, there's, there's something about somebody that's just a good worker. Like, when you hire them, they're there. You can depend on them. You can trust them with anything you got. Mm -hmm. Just Those are the kind of people that seem like employers are looking for. Yeah. my And then, and you can work yourself up the ladder so fast if you're that way. Yep. And they never even ask you for a college degree or a background check. or Those are the kind of jobs I like. Yeah. The, the girl who, you know, I have a girl who exercises my horses every day because I sit here and talk to you guys all day. Um, and she comes and she's in the, she's in one of the, she's in the National Guard, I think. And she goes to National Guard training every day and she goes to class, her college classes in the morning and then she works here all afternoon. And I mean, if you tell her, hey, go catch those horses, I have to worm, I, I need and I need them all wormed, she'll go catch all the horses in the farthest pastures away and tie them all up perfect. Like, she's the best help. My husband always jokes he wishes he could find as good a help as I have because I would hire her to do anything. I would hire her to come work for the magazine because she busts her butt and just is that way. And I don't I don't know what makes people that way or doesn't make them that way. Yeah, no, they're, they're, those kind of people, they're hard to come by. Mm -hmm. They're hard to come by. I read something one time, it said something like, uh, um, I don't know, it said something like, make sure you do something you want to do or something like that. It, like if you have a, don't, don't kill yourself every day to try to get the job that, that, that you want. And, and if you drop dead one day and those guys just replace you in two weeks, mm -hmm. You want to you want to be a person where you you can't be replaced. Like learn a certain trade, like have a certain talent that not very many people have, and find out something that you can do. You can work for that person that you have this special talent, whether whether whatever, whatever it is, and then you can you can go a long ways with that. Yeah, seems like a lot of people nowadays just have the regular, oh, go to school. I want this job and. All of a sudden, like, like I said, if you just dropped in one day and those employers, like, well, the next person in line, mm -hmm. like, so, yeah, but <laughs> stay in school, I guess. I mean, I always <laughs> heard that my whole life, but that could be tricky. Okay, I have to I'm ask. Probably, I'm probably gonna get bashed on that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it, I think you were honest. <laughs> um. I have to ask, it's funny, you're, not just one person has said, well, everybody thinks Begay is like the ultimate American cowboy, but until he started a rodeo, he was like, wore baggy shorts and 
chains and did not dress like you dress now. When you were in college, did you dress like a baller? Chains? Yeah, that's what they said. You were like gold chains. Someone said I wear gold chains? <laughs> yes. I never wore gold chain ever. <laughs> silver? Silver chains? Nope. I never even, not even silver chains. And I never even wore anything. Bad. You know, I, I never wore, what do you call those shortcuts or shorties or cutoffs or whatever? <laughs> I, I think like basketball shorts. Life other than when I was swimming. <laughs> So, so the... Yeah, at night, so I see my pajamas are long. <laughs> That's funny. That Yeah, that that was the rumor that you were... Well, I'll, I'll take it. I like it. I mean, <laughs> that's one thing about rumors is they, they could say, well, I mean, that's different. But yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, heck, if it makes me cooler, yeah, I'll do it. That you were a baller before you were a cowboy? I've heard a song like that one time. <laughs> Does it sound like I'm a baller? I, I don't know. Maybe. I think so. But I don't know if the... It, I don't think the lyrics go, I was a baller before I was a cowboy. I don't think those are actual lyrics. But we could, we could suggest it. Maybe Cody Johnson will sing it someday. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I'll i take the, the role on that, but I don't think so. No, not true. False. That's a false narrative. Got it. <laughs> Okay, we said we were going to go 25 minutes. We are at 40 minutes. Wow. Look at us. I know, we can have part one and part two. Sorry for whoever's listening. <laughs> no, I think uh, your episode has like a very high retention rate the last time because it tracks that on the internet, how long people listen. And, yes, you were in the 85 percentile, which is very high for a podcast. I mean, people yeah. just... Sit. Let's give them something to talk about that they missed out on this last two minutes. <laughs> okay. Okay, Derek. Well, where is the next place that people are going to see you? Did you enter Guyman? Uh, yes, I entered Guyman. It's, uh, it's a week and a half from this day of this podcast. It's funny. Uh, I actually thought Guyman was going to be two days from today. Mm-hmm. So I was planning on going and this and that. I planned my schedule, whatever. Anyway, I planned a week early. So yesterday I was at a rodeo over the weekend. And I was talking to Eric Rogers, talking about making plans of going over there together. I said, yeah, I'll meet you over there on whatever, Tuesday or this and that, we'll leave. And then he's like, okay, or this, that. And it was still going as planned. And I... <laughs> I was a week early, and he was—he he knew exactly when it was, and this and that. <laughs> and then he's like, "What about uh, the following week? Let's go to uh, to the roping over there, at a different place." It's like We're, we'll be in Guyman then, or something. He's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> anyway, he ended up telling me that Guyman was a week later. I would just imagine if I would have <laughs> left the house Tuesday morning really early, got all the way to Guyman Tuesday night, and no one was there. <laughs> You almost uh, would have had to go jackpotting in Texas, like your worst nightmare. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Guyman in a couple weeks. Yeah. Go there and see if I can catch three muleys. And then after that, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. From there on, it seems like that it, it takes a big break until Reno. Well, and now they're going to have, this will be the last Reno open on the same day as the BFI would have been. And it's like the last last year of that contract there, so it might be the last one ever. Who knows? Oh, um, really? Yeah. Are you? It's the Resistal Reno Open this year. So, are you going to try either way? Like, is that something that Coulter would come to you with, or come I'm with sure, you too? I'm mm -hmm. sure he'll go there. If not, I'll make him. I, I like Reno. I like to go to that rope and mm -hmm. I like to go to the rodeo. Do you have a? Do you have Kita booked to go to Gaiman? Uh, no, I've got a different one, Bay Mare, I'm going to take it. You've had her for, the Bay Mare you've had since 2015, is that right? It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, for a while, she's always just, what they say, she's always just been on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Now she's on the front burner. <laughs> Where does she need to improve? Is, is, or is she going to ever 
be like what you want or is she just what you got? No, she's 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 set in stone now, I believe. Mm-hmm. She, she don't leave the box that smooth. Mm-hmm. She could score better. She's okay in the field. Mm-hmm. But she don't she don't score good enough and she don't leave the box smooth enough. That's the main reason I don't like her. Other than that, she's I can get by with her. She's the one you won the title fights on, but she did not leave the box smooth when you won that. That was like two years ago. Yeah, see, even you can see it. I have a picture. No, I have a picture. That's all. The reason I know that is because I distinctly you can tell that for a thousand words. <laughs> I distinctly remember what because she, she like yeah I remember how she looked in the box. I don't mean that your horse is no good. That isn't what I'm implying. No, I'm, I just understand. I'm just being honest. I yeah. guess that. Yeah, I wish I could find a good one, but they're they're hard to find. And then mm-hmm. if you do find one, they're, they cost money. Mm-hmm. Do you have, like, a limit of what you would spend on one? If you found one? <laughs> yeah, two hundred fifty thousand is my limit. Is it? Okay. No, no I don't <laughs> have a limit. Yeah, I have a limit. I don't, I don't have one. Range, I don't have an exact limit. It's not high, I tell you that. <laughs> I got it. All right, well, on that note that you don't want to spend money on horses, I guess we can end this podcast, Eric. Cheap skate now. <laughs> yeah, cheap sucker. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for 51 minutes and 52 seconds of your time today. It is absolutely the delight of my career that we get to do these, Derek, and I'm not kidding. So. Well, thanks. I like not listening to myself, but I like, I like listening to the podcast too. They're going down the road. I, I listen. To, I probably listen to everyone you got so far. So I'm a fan. I enjoy them. I'm not going to listen to mine, but. <laughs> I don't listen to mine. I mean, not that I'm ever on anybody's podcast, but I don't really re-listen to my own My own voice. is hard to listen to. It used to be a lot harder uh, when I first started, as Synergy, I think, pointed out that I used to sound really grumpy on these podcasts. So, sorry to everybody who listened no. to the first years. I'm getting better, maybe. No, you're, you're doing good. I, I'm glad you guys do what you do, and even the other other podcasts that involve mm-hmm. ropers and riders and stuff like that. I'd listen to all the Western-related stuff. Oh, and we're going to see you, so everybody that's listening knows. We will... Um, Gabby will be heading down with our videographer to Window Rock to go to the Warriors and Rodeo Clinic that you and Eric and Aaron are doing, and that is for Native American veterans and first responders I believe is that correct uh yes uh eric he's the he's the man in charge of that he just called me one day and said hey i'm putting on a roping school here can you help me roping school no i can't do that <laughs> he's like well it's for it's for the veterans of the Navajo res like well all right i'll do it so i'll go there and try to do my best well, I am. But yeah, it, it is a good cause. It was a, it was a no brainer once you said where it was at and what it was for. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna be there too because it's it's one of those things that we want to certainly be helpful and involved with and make sure people know about the cause because it seems like it'll be a good place to get you three together teaching roping, which is rare because. Aaron, Aaron is kind of like you in that he doesn't really like to talk about roping too much. You can get Rogers to talk about it, but um, it'll be interesting yeah, we'll, to see you three together we'll be, teaching. We'll be, we'll be standing behind Eric. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to tell me, Eric? What rope do you want? <laughs> Eric is polished, man. He has he is a polished guy these days. I'm always impressed. Yeah, when she's take his hat back, set his hat back a little bit. Don't say that. Airline, airline is getting polished. <laughs> his forehead, his forehead is polished. Eric, I'm no, sorry. He's, he's a man. He won the time event the other day. Like he's, he's the big dog in our group. <laughs> I don't know. I think he is. He certainly is the big dog on the um, in the books right now for sure. But it seems like they. Uh, 
I don't know. If the three of you walk into a convenience store together um, in Tuba City, who do they go to for autographs first? Ginny, that's where he's from. Well, okay, Tuba City was a bad I, bad example. I said that wrong because that's where he's from. If you, like, Derek who? Who are you? <laughs> not Tuba City. Okay, if the three of you walk into a convenience store in uh, Window Rock, whose autograph do they want first? I, I don't know that. Yours. Yours. <laughs> if we look at, and honestly, I was just looking at this. I'm going to tell you this on the podcast so people can know this. I was looking at the top performing articles since, um, since 2013 on our website. And the number one uh, performing article is the one about your grand entry horse. Really? Yep. <laughs> of all the things that I've written, I think I wrote that in 15 minutes before the round that night. And that is the number one performing article of all time. Most clicked on, most read. And then it involved roping. You bet. <laughs> it involved, it was, it was like Derek Begay's grand entry horse in gear pays homage to the American cowboy or something like that. And yep, it was, it was about you honoring the working cowboy. Well, you must have get up. You did get on that article. No, I, I like that. <laughs> I remember it. It was good. <laughs> I did get a lot of response on that, too. That was wild. Yep, no. So that's that's why I say if you guys walked into a convenience store, they would ask you for your autograph first. But also, you're the oldest, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, Derek. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Okay, before we go, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about our sponsors at Farnham. And I'm going to explain the BRR. Block means to use a fly mask to create a physical barrier to protect your horse's eyes and face. And depending on where you live and what type of insect pests you are up against, Farnham also offers super mask styles to protect your ears from biting flies, gnats, and those disgusting blood-sucking ticks too. The first R in BRR is Repel. Farnham has lots of options here to take control of your horse's health. What's your preference? A long-lasting fly spray like Endor? A botanical option like Equisect made with organically grown chrysanthemums or spot treatments such as Equispot, which is a terrific tick repellent. Whatever weapon you choose to keep pests off your horse's body, use it regularly and read the label so that you apply it correctly and get the most bang for your buck. Reduce is the last R in the BRR program. This part is cool. Farnham has a pelleted product that you feed to your horse to stop flies from forming. All the action takes place in the manure of the horse. The horse just acts as the mixing vat. An insect growth regulator in Simplify breaks the fly life cycle by preventing larvae from developing into mature adults. It's safe and simple and one of the best ways to reduce unwanted flies for a happier horse and home. 